Good morning, everybody. Oh, I'm excited. Um, can everybody just turn to his neighbor and say, you're so welcome to be here. I think it's so important that we do that. Okay. Amen. All right. Don't start conversations. That wasn't the purpose. But, uh, but everybody needs to be welcome. I want to start with praying and actually an earnest prayer. Because when I was preparing, the Lord told me, make sure it comes over as an invitation, not as an accusation. And it depends on the speaker, but also on the hearer. So what I pray, Lord, is that what, we, what, what I'm going to talk to, about today will be received as an invitation, not as an accusation. And Lord, that we will be able to respond to your invitation. And help me, Lord, to not stand in your way. And uh, help me to open up the scriptures so that we can receive what you want to give this morning. That's what I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Um, we're on a roll. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've visited this church. We're moving in a certain direction. In uh, the last couple of weeks, Carla spoke about... Um, that one thing, I, one thing I do is leave behind. So last week was that leaving behind the good, the familiar, the injustice and the past and the bad experiences. In other words, you need to leave behind the good, the bad and the ugly. But today I want to say, why do we need to leave behind the good, the bad and the ugly? It's because it stands in the way of what God wants to give. There's a purpose for it. You can't just leave the past behind. You also need to stretch out and go forward. So, and two weeks ago, it was about press on, pressing in. And three weeks ago, hold on. Hold on to what? And press into what? And now I want to talk about the other side of the picture. So we heard what we need, we need to do, but now I want to talk about what, what is God actually doing? What is happening behind the scenes? What is happening in the heavens? What, what, what is the reaction of heaven and, and God the Father to, to what is taking place here? And I believe that when you get a glimpse of that, it will accelerate you. <laughs> it's so important to, to have an idea. So today, I want to look at the other side. What is God doing? And I want to talk about Luke 15. Uh, Luke 15 is, uh, is, is really the, the, the lost and found uh, chapter in Luke, because it starts with, it ends with a parable of we know it as the prodigal son, but it's actually not the prodigal son, it's the prodigal father, because he is, gives everything he has. It's, it's a story of the two lost sons and the father who's looking for them, but it starts with an introduction. So you need to know the first two, two stories to actually interpret the story of the prodigal son. And the first story is about the lost sheep, and the second one is about the lost coin. So you have a shepherd who leaves the 99 behind and looks for the one lost sheep. And then you've got a lady who's got 10 coins and loses one coin and goes and looks at it. But there are some very interesting um, uh, things that you need to understand about that story to interpret the story of the two lost sons. Namely this, the lost sheep is far away, and so is the first son. 
But the coin is lost at home. And so is the second son. He's lost at home. Do you see that? But they're both pursued. The one by the shepherd and the other one by the lady. The sheep that's lost is aware that he's lost. Because if he's out of the flock, he's aware. A coin isn't aware he's lost. So the son who leaves, the first one, is aware, becomes aware that he's lost. But the second son, even though he's at the father, is not aware of his lost state. And neither is the coin. Do you see the links? So important to get that. Another thing, and that really blew me, The shepherd has 100 sheep. The lady has got 10 coins, and the father has two sons. It's about us. It's not about the world, it's about us. Because it's about the sheep that the shepherd has. It's about the coins that the lady has, and it's about the two sons that he has. The story is about us. We always apply this to the world. But it's actually spoken to us. Do you see that? Hello? Do you see that? <laughs> yeah. Then another thing that popped up, it's the shepherd that it's looking, which is a picture of Jesus. It's the woman that's looking, the ruach of God is feminine, and then it's the father that is pursuing us. The whole trinity is looking for us. The whole Godhead is looking for us. They're all pursuing us. Do you see that? It's so beautiful if these things pop up. And, um, and, and that's what we need to dive into. The other thing is, yeah, the finding is done by God. We always say, have you found God? <laughs> A better question is, has God found you? Did you let yourself be found by God? Have you heard him? Seek for you? When you're in the quiet time, have you heard God says, hello, where are you? One of the saddest things is when God enters into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? And I believe God is still saying that. Adam, where are you? Where are you? Because God is in pursuit of us. God is looking for us. God is looking for his children. The whole Godhead is involved in looking for his children. Okay, let's read some scripture. This is introduction. Um, 15 verse 7. Uh, sorry, from verse, uh, from verse 6. Um, and when he comes home and calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And a little bit later, in the parable of the lost coin, that is um, uh, verse 9 and 10. And when he has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found a peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
What is happening here affects heaven. There's a huge effect. There's a huge effect. Do you know that God is a party in God? The first thing when someone gets saved, the first time that that relation is restored, he's having a party. I hope that you're, when you're sitting here, I haven't had that party yet. When does my party start? Have you had your party? Have you had an awesome time with God? That's not selfish. That's what God wants. Have you had your party? <laughs> when someone gets saved, Matthew, the, cat, the tax collector, when Jesus calls him, do you know what the first thing is that he does? He invites everybody and has a party. And Jesus parties along. And a lot of Pharisees are very offended by God who has a party. Um, in a church in the Netherlands, um, a couple of years ago, we baptized a young boy who got saved and his parents uh, visited and we were a very exuberant Pentecostal church and his parents were, they looked like Amish, so the guy had a big beard, hat on and, and like, like I, so I thought that I'll see them only once, you know, but next Sunday they showed up again and I was like, okay, um, that's nice, but I didn't know how to relate to them. And the Sunday thereafter, they were there again. But during worship, they would stand like this and just, and, and there was no movement. So, and the Sunday after, they were there again. It's like, so I went over to them and they said, yeah, we're thinking of joining this church. And before I knew it, I said, why? <laughs> but but what, what was interesting is, Anya, that's her name, she came after the service to me. She says, I see all of you kids running with flags and people with hands in the air. I would love to join, but I can't. I said, but why can't you? No, it's as if lead is holding my arms down, and even though I want to, I can't. And at that time, I was studying this book, A Blessing or Curse, you can choose from Derek Prince. And just that week, I'd read that there's a curse of not serving the Lord with joy and gladness. So, uh, me again, uh, told her, and she says, okay, how do I get rid of it? She says, repent. Repentance is not only of sin, repentance is also from a lifelong pattern that needs to be broken in your life. And her and her whole family come out of a very heavy religious background that never knew the joy of knowing God. So right there, it says, okay, you just ask the Lord to break that over your life. You repent of it. You say, Lord, I turn away from that way of being and, and give me the joy of the Lord. Next week, they're both standing with their hands in the air, praising the Lord and crying their eyes out. Hallelujah. Wow. God wants to celebrate. God wants to celebrate our salvation. God wants to celebrate when we're found. Have you had your party? Hello? Oh. The first two short stories show what happens and the effect and the level of joy that there is in heaven when a sinner gets saved. God can get a great kick out of us today. 
depending on how we respond to his invitation. God and the angels are so excited if we say yes to his invitation and pursue him and say, and let us be pursued by him. Amen? All right. Oof. Luke 15, verse 11 to 14. Um, okay, that's the introduction to the story that we're now going to preach on. <clears throat> uh, shall we do that? Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the, young, the younger of him said to his father, Father, give me the, the, the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That's where the prodigal son comes from. Prodigal literally means casting or spending money with and having nothing to show for it. Um, but when he had spent all, uh, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Uh, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the uh, fields to feed swine. And then last one, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Right. If you only want the gifts and not the Father, you're going to waste it for your own pleasure. And you will end up with the swine. You'll end up with the pigs. You'll end up with nothing. That's the story here. You couldn't sink lower as a Jew to sit with pigs, unclean animals. What Jesus is doing here is painting such an extreme picture to make a strong point. This is bad. The son wished his father dead because you would get an inheritance after your father died. And the word that stood out, give me my goods. It's not yours. Me. Me, myself, and I. Give me is the thing. But life starts when you say, forgive me. True life starts when you say, forgive me. Not me, but forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Do you know, the older I get, the more I'm convinced that my heart is desperately wicked and full of evil things. Do you know, the older I get and closer I get to God, I realize, my motives are actually not that pure. Do you know the older I get that I actually realize, I'm not sitting with the pigs, I am a pig? If you're not there yet, please, it's fine, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but salvation, okay. We, 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 are, we have been saved, but we're also being saved. And the salvation continues until we're in heaven with him. God is still busy saving us. Do you know that? 
It's not that first prayer that you prayed and then it's over. No, we're in a process of salvation. God is, keeps on pursuing us. And we need to keep on being sensitive to that and responding to that. So, he sits with the pigs. Uh, which verse are, did we end? Um, he had nothing to show for it. He squandered everything. He spent all his money. Oh, he was looking for fun, by the way. His motive of leaving was, home is boring. I want to have fun. Isn't that the world? And he didn't realize that the greatest fulfillment a person can have is to know the Father. People can go to church without ever getting that message or have ever having that experience. Let's make sure that we make that our aim, that people experience the love of the Father. Nothing is as boring as a church without God. Nothing is as boring as that. But nothing is as fulfilling as a church with God. Nothing is as healthy as a church where God is at work. Where the Holy Spirit reigns. Where the Father is present. Where Jesus saves people. And where the God it is. Amen? You can say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Okay, let's continue. Luke 15, verse 15 to 19. Um, oh. And when he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sat into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Let's continue. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and, uh, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Good. A lot of things have been said about this, but when I was reading, I realized this is not repentance. This is regret. I'm hungry. Oh, wait a minute. Let me make up a plan. I'll go back to my father and tell him that I'm sorry, I've sinned. And, um, and, and then, then I'll tell him I'll come back as a servant, and then, then I'm not, not hungry anymore. There's nothing in there, look what I've done to my father. There's nothing in there longing for his father. Everything is conniving a scheme to get food. Do you see that? Let me go to my father and act Christian. I've sinned. Repentance is naming the sin. Repentance is being aware of what you've done. Repentance is saying, God, I've, I've, I've sinned against you and this is what I've done. Is, is focused towards what my sin has an impact on him. Regret is have, feeling bad about what my sin did to me. Do you see that? And God doesn't call us to have regret. He calls us to have repentance. Repentance is, Lord, what I've done has hurt you. Regret is, what I've done has hurt me. This is regret. What I've done has hurt me. Do you see that? His motive of going back to the Father wasn't pure. And neither is ours. His motive wasn't super. This he came to himself wasn't his uh, conversion. 
It was a desperation. I'm hungry, sitting with the swine. Let me, let me make up a plan and go back to my father. It wasn't good. Do you see that? Sorry, I've heard lots of stories otherwise, but that's what I pick up. Let me use Christian language to pursue my father to take me back as a servant. Good. I want you to see how scandalous the father is. I actually wrote it down. The reason why I use scandalous. Um, I can't find my notes. But is someone who is irrational and to the point of almost immoral. And that's the reaction of the father. So let's go to Luke 15 verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still, uh, he, he was still a great way off. Remember the sheep that was far away? When he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. This is a guy who stinks like a pig, who is dirty, who is filthy. And his father sees him far off, runs towards him, hangs on his neck, and kisses him. It's scandalous. There is no like, uh-oh, we first have to talk. We first have to have a conversation here about what has happened. Nothing like that. That's not there. It's scandalous. Let me wait until the, the noise is over. <laughs> Someone just switch off the alarm, please. No, no reason for alarm. <laughs> Amen. It's scandalous. This is not the gospel. This is the result of the gospel. This is because of what God has done through Christ for us. The cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection made this possible. That the Father sees us through Christ and runs towards us, hugs us, and, and, and invites us back. There's this story of this son who is lost from his father, who, who has no relationship with his father for many years. There's something terrible has happened in the family, and there was this, this break oof, that can be so painful. And he writes this letter to his father. He says, Father, I'm going to be in a train passing through our city on that day. Um, if you want to see me, will you hang up a ribbon on one of the trees? So the day comes, and the sun is there. And as he comes close to his town, all the trees are full of ribbons because the father is afraid that if it was just one ribbon, the son wouldn't see it. That's how God is. He's, he will put all the trees full of ribbons for us. He doesn't want to miss the love and the compassion that he has for us. He doesn't want us to miss it. And he invites us 
to his party. We'll come to that just now. <laughs> but he, he's inviting us. Again, I told you, this story is about us. It's about his children, about his sheep and his coins. It's about us. It's about us. Yeah. Let's continue. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop here. By the way, up till now, if it would stop here, it would be a great story, isn't it? I want you to realize that if the story had stopped here, it would have already been fantastic. Don't you agree? Why doesn't it stop here? Okay, a little bit. Romans, can we go another scripture? Romans 8 verse 30. Let me throw in a little bit of theology. Romans 8 verse 30. But if you live according to the 8 verse 30, 3, 0, not 13. It's also good scripture, but I'm not going to talk about it. Ah, there, there we are. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he has called, these he also justified. And a lot of people understand justification. Yeah, he justified it. He came, embraced us, forgave us. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Amen. But it doesn't stop there. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Present tense, not future tense. And a lot of people think that salvation is the end. Yeah, I'm saved. And they forget that God also wants to glorify us. God the Father wants to share His glory with us. Oh, what is that? Well, let's read on in, uh, in Luke 15. <laughs> this is that. Yeah, do you see that? Glorified is not future, it's present tense. And he arose and came to, sorry, verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and, and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Next verse, but the father, but the father, I love but the father. So he was going to tell that he wants to become a servant, and don't, I'm not worthy to be your son, just let me work and get some food, please. God doesn't want to have servants, he wants to have sons. God doesn't want to have you serve him, he wants to have sons. The relationship we have with the father is that of a child. God wants to have children. That's the relationship we have with the father. What we do on earth is we serve. But we, the relationship is, is that of a child. But the father. But the father. Said to his servants, bring out the best robe. One. Put it on him and Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. In the story, there are two beings that are not happy about the return of the son. First is the fatted calf and the second one is the oldest son. But we'll come to that later. Good. These five things, the best robe. Can we read Isaiah 61 verse 10? All these things are actually in the Old Testament. I will, grant, uh, I will greatly rejoice that we have the celebration of God in the Lord. 
My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. First thing that the Father says, bring the best robe. That's the best robe. That's the best robe you can get. Covered me with the robe of righteousness. Bring the best robe. Have you received the best robe from the Father? Or are you still working around in the old clothes where you were with the pigs? That's the question. Again, this is not an accusation. This is an invitation. It's an invitation to say, Lord, I want to get that robe. <laughs> I want to receive that robe from you, Lord. Ring on your finger. Joseph received the ring from the Pharaoh, and he could act on his behalf. The ring was given to the son who would take the business of the father further. Do you know that Jesus received that? A Jewish father would have a business, and he would hand over his business at his son when the son became 30. He would take his son to the gates and make an announcement. This is, this is the son in whom I'm well pleased. And from now on, he, is, he has the authority to do my business. That's exactly what happened with Jesus. Jesus at the Jordan, at the entrance of Israel, there at his baptism came this voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And from that day onwards, Jesus started his ministry. He started to, and what did he do? I do what I see the Father doing. He started to act on behalf of the Father. Here, he, here the story is, he wants to give us also a ring. So that we can act on behalf of the Father. Authority. One warning. Don't touch the rope or the ring if you don't have a love relationship with the Father. It will lead to corruption. Not everybody will understand this. But I've seen a lot of powerful men who have taken hold of the things of the kingdom, but used it for themselves. We need to receive this in relationship with the Father. Sandals. Only sons wore sandals. Slaves were, 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 yeah, were not, didn't have shoes. Fetted calf. Come on, we live in South Africa. It doesn't need any explanation, is it? Amen. I hope you're not a vegetarian. Um, yeah, always say if God wanted us to be vegetarians, he would have made all the animals out of plastic, right? Um, let's eat and be merry. Let's eat and be merry. Um, years ago, I, I preached at a, not a, I was asked to preach in front of a lot of Dutch Reformed people in the Netherlands. And I thought, oh, during a baptism service, oh, man, what are you going to talk about? So I decided not to mention anything about, because that's still a big issue, baptism, infant, sprinkling, oof, you don't want to go there. So I decided to preach on the love of the Father. During the preaching, the Lord stopped me and told me, you need to talk to the men here who have a bad relationship with their sons. So I was like, oof, really, Lord? Oof, these people are not used to charismatic stuff. So, so I... <clears throat> I said, some people here don't have a good relationship with their son. 
And you're called to be like the father in this story. If your son comes home, stop fighting. Take them out for dinner. Give them meat. One week later, apparently, I heard the story later, one farmer was so touched by that story, and his son chose not to take over his business, and they were having such a fight over it. His, his son drove over the dike, and he called and says, is it you driving it? Yes, yes, Dad. They haven't seen each other for years. And um, he says, I'm, I'm driving here once a week just to see how you're doing, but I don't dare to come to the home because whenever I come, you're always shouting at me. So he said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Please come home. And he came home and literally his, his wife was cooking food. He turned the food into the dustbin and says, we're going out for a party. We're going to take you out because you're found. And forgive me for not being a good father. Forgive me for, 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 for making peripheral things influence the main thing, which is the relationship I want to have with you. The main thing is the relationship I have with you. Not the fact that you don't want to take over my farm. We can talk about it, but it shouldn't influence the relationship that I have with you. Wow. Awesome. Isn't it? God is like that as well. Let not the peripheral things influence the relationship God wants to have with us. Amen. I'm going to finish somewhere. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, we can read more scripture. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Um, go, go back one. And bring the fetid calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. The next one. For this is my son. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Ooh. Right. I love it when people come to a church and they hear music and they see dancing. The reaction to that is so crazy. I, I heard a story once of this uh, preacher who was asked to teach at a conference, well-known guy, and he was sitting in front, and there was this lady who ran with this flag and was opulent in her dancing, and he took offense. He says, nah, if, if it wasn't my church, it would stop that behavior. Right. Then the friend who was sitting beside him said, do you see that lady there? Up till two weeks ago, she was a prostitute, and she found the Lord. So he's like, ooh. And she had found the joy, the party. She joined the party of God. And then the Lord said to him, when did you last dance like that for me? Well, good luck with preaching after that. <laughs> when did you last lose yourself in the joy of your salvation? When did you last party so loud that when people come close, they hear it and they see it? You see that the Lord invited his son to a party, but not just the first, also the second. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. 
And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fetid calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed against your commandments and at any time. And yet you have never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fetid calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. That's the end. Oh, is that, that it? Uh, it? It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Do you know what gives me hope for this guy is the story of the coin. Because the coin didn't know it was lost. Yet, God pursued the coin and found the coin. This story isn't finished. But it's up to us to finish it. It's an open-ended story. Because actually here's a huge invitation. What is going to be your response to, it, to the invite to the party? Do you see that the, young, the younger and the older son are both invited? They're both invited. But the kind of relationship the older son had with the father wasn't a heart's relationship. It was a work relationship. The relationship he had with his brother was not, was, it's your son, not my brother. The worst thing that can happen in churches is when there is a, when you don't see people as they are, sisters and brothers in the Lord. When your prayers are not, Lord, save them, but, oh, I don't care. Compassion for your brothers, but we also need to have compassion for this older brother. Do you know that the world is full of people that have heard the gospel but have not experienced it? A party is an experience, not a theo theology. It's not a theological concept. Dancing is not a theological concept. Be merry is not a theological concept. It's an experience. And my prayer is that we're going to accept the invite of the Father and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Do it again. Do it again. Grace is undeserved favor. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. He tried to deserve it by working hard and serving hard. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. It's so unfair because it's all because of what God did through Christ for us. That's the thing. People try so hard to get what God wants to give. But we need to come as a child. The kingdom is for those who are like a child that says, Lord, Daddy, give me. Give me your love. Give me your affection. Lord, help me to receive what you want to give. I'll tell another story. We were 
at our church focusing on the Father's love. And we had this old lady, Gerda is her name, and she was always there early, taking care of coffee and cake and always serving. And um, then I was at a, a conference where I told people, you need to be bold. And whenever God gives you an idea, you must just do it. Okay. <clears throat> Little did I know what happened. So what happened is that um, this, this girl said, today I was at a marketplace and I really had on my heart to, uh, to buy a bunch of flowers, walk up to someone and give it to them and says, this is a gift from your heavenly father. I says, well, I don't know. She was very un unsure whether that was the Lord. I says, doesn't matter. Flowers to ladies can't go wrong. You know, that's fine. Good. That Sunday... This Gerda, who was always quiet, she says, Hans, can I please tell a testimony? She says, anytime. She says, I was, last week I was at a market, and you know that I struggled to receive the love from the Father, and there was this girl, came to me with a bunch of flowers, says, this is from your heavenly Father. I said, wow, <laughs> it's rare that we sometimes see both sides. I wish I could have told the girl you were spot on. You were spot on. She was gone already. But God wants to, to show us his love. I love the fact that it's a shepherd going after the sheep, a lady going after a coin, maybe blowing off the dust, and a father pursuing his children. God is out to get you. God is pursuing us. And we just need to be willing to be found. Amen? Okay. That's, that's more or less my preaching, but I have two more words. So is, is it okay? Do we have time? Um, so I was praying, says, Lord, is there anything specific you want me to say after this? And what I got was Matthew 16, verse 17 to 18. Very well-known scriptures. Today is only well-known scriptures. <coughs> no difficult stuff. Matthew 16, verse 17 to 18. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bariona, that's Peter, uh, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What what? What is so fascinating is the first time that Jesus mentions church, by the way. Before that, he was always talking about his kingdom. But upon this rock, I don't think it's just his confession or Peter. I think it's both. But the excitement, the Father has revealed it to you. Do you see that? Go on back. Verse 17. But my Father who is in heaven. Yeah, he has... Um, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So, all this time, he says, I can't build my church. But now that you have established a relationship with the Father, now I can do it. Now I can build my church. The other thing is, Jesus says, I will build my church. Our job is to have a relationship and a connection with the Father. And then Christ can build His church. 
Do you see that the, the, the thing that needed to take place is the download from heaven, from the Father to Peter. A revelation from the Father. Oh, a, a relationship between Peter and the Father has been established. Well, on that rock, I can build my church. On that rock, I can start creating a church. Our job is not to build a church. Our job is to get to know the Father. Do you see that? And on that rock, Jesus Christ can build his church. The next one is 1 John 1, verse 3 to 4. Some kids are getting excited. 1 John 1, verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4. This is verse 2. There we go. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. I would love it if that could be the, the motto or the... the uh, the, how do you say it? The aim of a church to establish a relationship with the Father and Jesus Christ. And that will be lots of joy. I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial. But people make peripheral things, the secondary things, the main things, and the main things, the secondary things. In the Netherlands, there was this huge organization, uh, Trin, Teach, uh, Reach, and, and uh, Teach. Reach, impact the nations. Wonderful. But that's God's job. It's not our job. The world has been changed through people that didn't make it their aim to reach the world, but to make it, made it their aim to reach God. The world has been set aflame by people that have been looking for God and found Him. And then God started using them. If you want to Reach, touch, and impact the nations. Good luck. It's not going to happen if you can't establish a healthy relationship with the Father. And it's not our job. It's His job. He says, I build my church. I sending you out. Our main course is to establish a relationship with the Father and Jesus Christ that He sent. And to have joy that our joy may be full. That's it. Amen.